0: For those he foreknew, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his Son. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Of his fullness have we received grace heaped upon grace. Of his own will be God, he asked by the word of truth that we might become a kind of first-foot among all his creatures. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, and not imputing their trespasses to them to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has committed to us the message of reconciliation that Jesus will be magnified and we will decrease That you open the eyes of our understanding, that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us, what who believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead, far above all principalities and powers, and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come. Who has qualified us and made us to meet, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. For by him all things were created, whether visible or invisible. Be it thrones, principalities, powers. For all things were created for him and by him. And in him all things consist. For he is the visible image of the invisible God. We thank you Father, for your glorious presence in the saints. For you called us out of this world. You sanctified us and called us your saints. But you were justified, but you were washed, but you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We thank you for these divine realities made real in us by your eternal work. For those he foreknew. He predestined them to look like Jesus. What a glorious mystery. For having chosen us before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before you in love. And having predestined us unto sonship by Jesus Christ unto himself. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. Wherein he has made to abound towards us. In all wisdom and prudence. In whom we also first trusted and were sealed with the spirit. Unto the praise of his glory. We thank you father for a glorious night. Thank you father. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that will walk worthy unto all pleasing, that will bear fruits unto you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. What a glory! Come on, be seated. So blessed by the choir this morning. Let's appreciate them. Come on! What a glory! All right. So, tend to someone and tell the person glory. Thank you, Jesus. Let's this morning. Are you ready for the word? It's, It's it's getting there. Are you ready for the word? I told you we are excited about the word because that's the only means that God is going to mature us. So we don't joke with the word. You open up your heart. You turn off your data to get blessed. What a glory! All right. So we want to quickly go to our teaching. On the responsibility of forgiveness. I thought I was going to finish in the the next four meetings. But I'm sure it will cross. I'm very sure. But. I believe the spirit of God still wants to teach us something. So last week. We dealt with. um, Heresy as a work of the flesh. Now you need to pay attention to what I'm going to teach you. Because it's very important. So don't get distracted. So we looked at the works of the flesh. All right, please let him come forward here. Man of God, you're welcome. Let's appreciate the man of God. So um, we looked at uh, the works of the flesh. We got to understand that the believer is eternally forgiven right in the finished work of Christ Bishop please you can sit here in the finished work of Christ we we said that Christ forgave us how many have understood that so far how many know we are forgiving yeah so we have understood the reality of our forgiveness in Christ we took 20 teachings to explain the doctrinal aspect of forgiveness now we've taken I, I i think it's going to be more than the next 20 teachings to establish you on the responsibility of that forgiveness which we call practical christian living because i got to uh, tell you at a time that there are two things we need to understand when we read the bible there are doctrines and there are instructions especially in the new testament the purpose of god giving us doctrine is to establish us in the faith to know our position our rights and privileges in christ and who we are in Christ. But we said that there is also what we call instructions. Which are to be obeyed for a practical Christian life. Most of the time there are extremes where people take only doctrine to the, next, to the extreme. Um, people shout, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm holy. I'm forgiven. And that is all the revelation they have. Praise God. So we got to understand that. For us to be established fully. We need to put the two together. To have a successful Christian walk. Praise God. Now. The goal of God giving you his grace. Is so that you live to his pleasure. The goal of God's grace and love. Is so that you will please God. Now, this is very important before I come back to what we are doing. The goal of grace. What is the purpose of God making you right without your effort? Because in the Old Testament, you were only declared righteous when you obeyed the law, which was an impossibility. So in Romans chapter 3, to verse 20, the Bible says that, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Look at that. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law does not give you the knowledge of Christ. It gives you the knowledge of sin. Talking of the Ten Commandments and the ordinances. So the verse 21 says that. But now the righteousness of God. say, Say but now. But now. The righteousness of God without the law. So there is a righteousness that is apart from the law. So, God gives righteousness which is not dependent on the obedience of the law. So, he says, The righteousness of God uh, without the law, being mani- said, is, mani- is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, when you read Genesis to Malachi, it witnesses that there will be a time that a man will give us righteousness as a gift. And it was witnessed. So righteousness is not a new doctrine in the New Testament. Righteousness was witnessed by the law and the prophets. But you see, when God gives you righteousness as a gift, listen carefully, it becomes an investment. Whatever God gives you in Christ is not only a gift, it's an investment in you. And every investment has an accountability. You are accountable for your actions in Christ. Someone says, "Oh, my actions doesn't matter. It matters. So the Bible says in Matthew five sixteen, It says, therefore, let your light shine. This is not confession. There are Christians who, who say, I'm shining. I'm shining is not words. It says, let your light so shine before who men that they may see your good deeds. So, another word for shining is what? Good deeds. So, who is the believer? The light of the world. How does the believer shine? Good deeds. So, if you shout, I am the light without you shining, you are a hypocrite. I'm teaching good here. Right? So, God gives us righteousness that we live that righteous life for his glory. I'm sorry to say this, but in eternity, we will not be rewarded for the gift of righteousness. In eternity, we'll be rewarded for how we use that righteousness to bring pleasure to God. So, I tell people, there are three things you need to understand in the New Testament. We have the gift of righteousness. We have the fruits of righteousness. Then we have the crown of righteousness. The gift of righteousness is something you could not attain. It was worked out by Christ's redemptive work. And it was handed over to you when you believe Jesus. So it is a gift. Romans 5.17, the Bible says, As many as receive the abundance of grace, which is the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life. So righteousness is a gift. When you receive that righteousness and you begin to grow through the word of God, that righteous investment made in you is supposed to produce fruit. How? By living right. So, when you receive the gift of righteousness, that gift is supposed to produce the fruits of righteousness. Forgiving people who offend you is a fruit of that righteousness. Walking away from sin is a fruit of that righteousness. Are you seeing that? Doing the work of ministry is a fruit of righteousness. Evangelizing is a fruit of righteousness. So in eternity, when we appear before Jesus and we are judged by our deeds on earth for rewards, you receive the crown of righteousness. In other words, you are crowned with honor for how you use the gift of righteousness to produce the fruits of righteousness. So, sometimes people teach the gift of righteousness as if that is all there is in the New Testament. Wrong. That's one aspect of it. So, we receive the gift to produce the fruits to receive the crown. I'm teaching good here. So I've been explaining these realities because we need to get this thing right. I was telling you that there are always two sides to um, who we are in Christ. God perfects you, yet you must be perfected. Why is this reality so? Because man is a spirit, he has a soul and he lives in a body. When Adam sinned, he did not die physically immediately. He first died what? Spiritually. Which is the separation of man from God. So man experienced spiritual death. And with time, man experienced physical death. But in between spiritual death and physical death was the corruption of the soul. Which is your mind, your will, and your emotion. Man's soul was darkened. It was corrupted. All kinds of philosophies and thoughts affected his soulish realm. So he made selfish decisions and allowed self to dominate his life without God. So in the salvation process or in the salvific process of God, there are three processes. You are saved once in Christ in your spirit. Because that was the engine room of the whole problem. Are you following this? Yes, sir. That was the main problem. That's the time you see when I hear somebody saying, "If you don't do what is right, you go to hell. People don't get this. So people rather attack the fruit instead of the root. Now, if people have alcoholism problem, okay? and I want to destroy alcoholism. If I go around everybody's house and I take every beer bottle and I break them into pieces, have I done something? why? because the beer producing factory is still around so it's just a matter of time they will produce more but if I want to destroy it completely what do I do? I go straight into the alcohol producing factory and I burn it down I can leave the rest of the beer, they will drink and finish it but they can't produce again have you seen that? When you find somebody just sinning like that, who is not born again, his problem is not sinning. His problem is sin. Sin is a principle and a factory in his spirit. So people are trying to break the beer bottle instead of destroying the factory. Because in the finished work of Christ, when Christ said it is finished, when Christ hanged and was crucified, it was your old man, the engine room that was dealt with. A Christian must first know that he was dealt with within before he can live without. I'm teaching good here. So, we are perfected in our spirit. We are being perfected in our soul's realm. Are you seeing that? We are saved in our spirit. When the Bible calls a believer a new creation, he is not a new creation in his body. Because all the scars of your body are still there Even though you were born again The scars on your body did not change So born again is not a bodily experience It's a spirit experience That is how come When you got born again You are wondering why are all these bad thoughts I had before knowing Jesus Are still around You know your problem You have an unrenewed mind Because your mind is in your soul So when you got born again, your spirit was saved. But your soul was not saved. Your soul is a makeup of your mind, your will, and your emotion. So all your emotions are in your soul's realm. Your mindsets, your philosophies are in the soul's realm. God didn't say your soul has to die. No, the soul has to be renewed. In other words, it has to be reconstructed or renovated. Have you seen that? So, the mind needs renovation. How? Romans 12.2. It says, be not conformed. That means a believer, though a believer, can conform to the patterns of the world. So, it says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, there's a way of being transformed. So, I, that is how come I won't tell you stop sinning. No. I tell you what Christ did to you. Why you can be able to stop sinning. Are you sinner? that? So you need to understand that you cannot be transformed until your mind is renewed. So if you find a believer who is just enjoying sin, his problem is one. He has an unrenewed mindset. Because the sin nature has been terminated. But there is one problem. Self. Self. Which we also call the flesh. You cannot kill the flesh. You cannot destroy the flesh. You can only dominate the flesh. My oh God he says, My oh God, I, I, I'm born again, but I'm still having last issues. You can kill last. You can dominate last. Because as long as you are in this world, last will last forever in your life. But you must dominate it and tell it you have no control over me. Why? Because Christ in me is the hope of glory. So, someone says, we We want to become like Jesus. And someone starts laughing at him. He's correct. And I says we are like Jesus. Someone says, no, how can you say we are like Jesus? Can we be like Jesus? He's also correct. The problem is placement. We are like Christ in our spirit. Because those he foreknew, he predestinated. That means he destined before time that they should conform to the image of his son. So, God predestined us to look like Jesus. So, when we believe Jesus, we look like him. As he is, so are we. So, now, we are also to become like Christ. How? In our soulless realm. Our thoughts are not, are not like Jesus yet. All the bad thoughts you have. I pray God has not opened someone's head for me to see. (laughs) All those thoughts are there. Your emotional realm. Your will. Your decision-taking, pathing. They are on your soul's realm. And that has to be subdued by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And that is what we call spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not the change of your spiritual height from 6 inches to 10 inches as you read your Bible. No. Spiritual maturity is the conforming of the soul to the nature of Christ. So it's a conformity. The more you become like Jesus, you are growing. It's a conformity. An alignment. When your spirit and your soul have become one. Why am I teaching all this? Shekla Guguru Alright. Is it sinking? Alright, I got that. Let's let's move on. So last week we were teaching on the works of the flesh. We said, though a believer is forgiven, he can still sin. Many people think that uh, the fact that we are forgiven means that God does not consider sin anymore. That's an error. Some even think that God has now gone soft on sin. So when believers are sinning, God is say, oh, these children. <laughs> oh, hey, I love you already. Oh. Eh? Why are you doing that? <laughs> That's what many people think. See, sin is contrary to God. It is opposite of God. It is Sin is against God. Have you seen that? When it came to sin, God did not show pity. When it came to sin, God had to punish it in the body of another man. That tells you how serious sin is. So the reason why today the believer is not under punishment of sin is because someone bore them. Isaiah 53 from the verse 4, he says, Surely he had borne our iniquity wounded for our transgression, bruised for iniquity, the chastisement, which is the death dealing blow, or the punishment of our sins, was placed upon him by whose tribes we are healed. So it's not that God has gone soft on sin, no. God placed the punishment you deserved on another man. So we are forgiven, yes. Yet we are to live a life that brings glory to God. That's our walk in this world. You you just can't be shouting, I'm the righteousness of God, glory! If you are going to live from the time you got born again, let's say God gives you the next 25 years. So you'll be shouting glory, 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 glory for 25 years. Uh, Is someone getting this thing? So there is a goal for giving us grace. Grace is technology. For us, it's a spiritual technology. The law was a bedding. You know, some years ago, if you wanted to pound fufu, it was manpower. Though we are still using, but that's the best example. Manpower, manpower, manpower. Today, you can eat fufu with a fufu machine. That fufu machine is a technology that makes things easy. It doesn't mean fufu doesn't exist again. Are you seeing that? So grace is God's technology so that now it doesn't mean that God has not wanted you to live right. Now he wants you to live right on a different foundation. The old foundation was that you have to obey the law. Now God says, hey, you are to live right. But that righteousness must be lived in a way coming from an understanding that Christ is your gift of righteousness. That makes you living right easy. Am I teaching good? Anyway, so last week we dealt with heresies. We dealt with heresies. And let me just give you a recap, very short one. Now, what are heresies? We saw that in Galatians 5, the verse 20, he spoke of idolatry. We have explained all this. Please go to our podcast and get blessed. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, seditions, heresies. Now, what is heresy? We said a heresy is a dissension arising from diversity of opinions and, and aims by a body of men following their own tenets, sects, or parties. Number two, we said a heresies become evil when sound Bible doctrine is rejected and a false doctrine is taught in place of the truth. We also said that a heresy is a belief that deviates from some standard or official belief. We said they are doctrinal views or beliefs that conflict with the recognized and accepted tenets of a system. We said that heresies are errors that threaten the core essence of the Christian faith or the well-being of the local church. But what I want to say about heresy is that heresy is the work of the flesh, heresy is sin. Am I teaching good? Heresy is what it's a sin because it's the work of the flesh. Why people choose their own opinions of the Bible which fights or disagrees with the core faith or the foundation of the gospel. Now we also said that heresies are some doctrine. We said there are some doctrines that are so vital that it touches the very heart of the gospel and Christianity. Those doctrines are untouchable. The the reality of the virgin birth, it is untouchable. The moment one says that Christ did not come through a virgin, but he saw a higher revelation in the Bible, it becomes heretic. Once someone says that Christ did not rise from the dead, he fell into coma. It becomes a heresy. It's existing, I'm telling you. Some don't believe that a man can die and rise up again. They can't believe. So there are many theories about the resurrection. Some said his body was stolen and they said he has risen. Some said Jesus fell into coma. How do you fall into coma? And then open a stone that is rolled by 40 men. By yourself. Already you are weak. Anyway. So, I I taught you last week that there are different heresies. And you see, some people think that we we should just come here and prophesy to you that your life will never be the same again. (laughs) Please listen. These are serious things because doctrines, they carry you. The Bible says, so that you are no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So, doctrines are winds. They can carry you. Your whole life can can have an immediate shift through just a single doctrine. There are people who believe until someone dies in their family, they cannot see God's glory. Do you know what that doctrine has done to them today? Do you know? You have no idea. So doctrines can carry a man. That is how come teachings like these are so vital because doctrines becomes a man's spiritual philosophy. He moves by that thinking. You are governed by your understanding of God. Why are people using kings to, to slam the floor and say they are killing Satan? Because someone taught them a doctrine. Why are people chewing grass? For divine healing. Because someone taught them. Someone says, so for me, I'm not a doctrine person. You must be. Oh. You must be. You must be a doctrine person. Because Christianity without doctrine is dangerous. I'm teaching with you. now, I quickly want to hit up again on various doctrines that, uh, hear this. No heresy or no false teaching is new. If you hear someone tell you I've had a new revelation, which is contrary to the scriptures or contrary to what was left for us by the foundational apostles, it is not new. It has happened thousands of years ago. Just that some people can modernize it. And this thing I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you as my sons and daughters. I don't care what other people from outside believe. But this is what I'm teaching my people. The people God has given to me to pastor. Because it's very vital. We are living in a day where all kinds of things are going on. And I need to teach you. So quickly, one look at about six or seven of them. There was one doctrine that came. Most of these false doctrines came in the second century of the church age second century now one of them is called docetism say docetism d o c e t i s m for life <laughs> docetism please you didn't hear what i said be spiritual okay now what is docetism now Docetism is actually a Greek word which means to seem or to appear. Now, so what is the heresy of docetism? That heresy believes that Jesus Christ was not a real human being. Jesus was not a real human being. He only appeared to be human. That's docetism. Please, you need to write this down. docetism That Jesus was not actually manifested as a real human being. We seemed to think he was a human being. He seemed to be a human being. Or he appeared to be a human being. And the people today who, who believe that, they don't believe that Jesus Christ appeared physically. But if you're a Christian, you can't believe this. If you believe this as a Christian, you are off. You are off the line. Let me do it quickly because I have a lot to share with you today. Number two, Arianism. Arianism. A-R-I-A-N-I-S-M. For no life. Arianism. Arianism. Now, I told you those days that most of the time when a man commits a heresy, they name him after the heresy. So this man was called Arius. He was called Arius. A R I U S. Arius. Now, what is Arianism? All right. Now, Arianism believes that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God, he was a special creation of God. He was not actually the son of God. He was a special creation of God. I'm teaching you this because you might be seeing this on TV. You might be seeing this on, you might be hearing this on radio. People saying all kinds of things about Christ. So that you can defend your Christian faith. That Jesus Christ was a special creation of God for salvation. He was not a man that was born. He was one of God's special creations. They don't believe Jesus is God. He was a special creation of God. Following that? So I'm doing it quickly. Number three Peligianism. Peligianism. Pelagianism. Pelagianism. P E L A G I A N I S M. hmm. Pelagianism. Now what is Pelagianism? Now this heresy was propounded by an Aryan monk. He was a monk. He was an Irish monk. His name was called Pelagius. He was the one who propounded The false teaching that Adam's sin was not universal. In other words, Adam's sin did not affect the whole world. Adam's sin was personal and individual. Adam's sin did not affect the whole world. Adam's sin was personal. He was the first to propound it. And he taught this in Africa. Amazing. That that false teaching was fought by the church fathers. And it, it, it actually lied completely. He also believed that baptism was obsolete and it was unnecessary. Now, you need to understand this. I believe that water baptism does not save But to say water baptism is obsolete is dangerous. Because none of the apostles ever said that water baptism is obsolete. They emphasized that Christ saves. Please, this is very important. And I'm going to come there very soon. So, he was the one that taught that teaching that Adam's sin was not... Adam sinned personally and his sin became an example for all men to look at his sin so that they sin to become sinners so they believe that he believes that nobody was born a sinner and today it's being taught i need to open your eyes to that very important i heard a teaching that adam's sin did not affect anybody we are all born innocent when you grow up and the gospel is preached to you and you reject the gospel, then you become a sinner. That's the teaching being taught today. Please run. You heard that? I said, What? Run quickly. Machionism. Machionism. M-A-R-C-I-O-N-I-S-M. Machionism. Machion. Now, this is not a Machion of Pentecost. This, this is called Machion of Sinope. He's the Machion of Sinope. Machion of Sinope. Now, what is Machionism? Machionism was a false teaching or heresy propounded by a man called Machion of Sinope who read the Bible cover to cover from Old Testament into New Testament and came to a conclusion that the God of the Old Testament cannot be the God of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in the Old Testament, he saw many acts that looked violent. Like God bringing flood of, uh, to destroy the people in Noah's day, raining fire and bringing stone on Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, no, no, no. How can a good God kill people like that? That God cannot be the God of Jesus Christ. He called the God of the Old Testament a demiurge. You know a demiurge? That means God is the devil. The God of the Old Testament is the devil. That's what he taught. And guess what? He removed the whole Old Testament. The whole Old Testament from the Bible. He created his own canon. He had only 11 books. He called Bible. He believed that Apostle Paul was a servant of God. True servant of God. Every other apostle was not called by God. So he took 10 epistles of Apostle Paul and added the book of Luke to it. And he had 11 canons which he made the Bible. He said, no, we can't understand. How can this wicked God be attached to Jesus Christ? No. Jesus Christ is a good God. The God of the Old Testament is a wicked God. It is not possible for a true God to kill. And today, that teaching is still going on. And this guy was called by elders to correct him. He did not agree and he was banished by the church. His material, in fact he had a church, but his his material and his ministry just died off. See, when you fall into heresy and you become proud about it, it's just a matter of time. You will fade. You will fade. That's how it is. You will fade. Alright, probably last but one, Montanism. Montanism. M-O-N-T-A-N-I-S-M. So, Montanism. Now, let's do it quickly because of the time. Now, Montanism was a heresy that was propounded by a man called Montanos. Montanos. Now, this man claimed that he had a vision of the return of Jesus Christ. And he had a vision of the second coming and how fearful it was going to be for Christians. So he received a revelation that people should die for Jesus. And he had two prophetesses. One was called Maximilla. The other was called Priscilla. So if you are called Priscilla here, you are a prophetess. So, he was the one in charge with two prophets, Max Miller and then Priscilla. And they were propounding that theory that you have to die for Christ. So, do you know what they were doing? They were putting value on martyrdom. What's martyrdom? People who are killed for their testimony of Jesus. So, you see, martyrdom comes, it's a natural thing that comes. When people believe in Jesus Christ and people say, if you don't believe in Jesus, we will kill you, it must happen naturally. They were encouraging it as a doctrine that if you don't die physically for Jesus Christ, you are not a true Christian. And he will not uh, pick you to heaven. So guess what? People turn themselves in. The soldiers will be there, I believe in Jesus Christ, kill me. Yeah? They will cut off their head. And they die in pride. So people turned themselves in. It became, see, it became a hall of fame. People were deliberately allowing themselves to be killed. I believe Jesus, what can you do to me? Christ is my savior. He says, renounce him. I won't renounce him. They took themselves so. It was not by mistake. They took themselves because of that teaching. Montanos. He was also dealt with because initially people believed him because of the vision he said he saw. And later they realized that there was something wrong. It, there was a wrong spirit in this thing. Because people who die for their testimony of Jesus do not decide that they are going to die. It happens. Are you seeing that? And last one is Gnosticism. 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 Not today you will be blessed though. Yeah, yeah, I've not started. Today you'll be blessed. I'm telling you. Gnosticism. Now, this was a false teaching or a heresy that was propounded from Egypt. Now, Gnostics emanated from that. That's, that's the source of that teaching. So, Gnosticism produced Gnostics who don't believe in the physical existence of Jesus. So they, they don't believe that God can become a human being. Why? Because they believe that on this earth, any human carrying a human body is naturally evil. Anything that is of this world is evil. Please follow. And anything that is in a spirit is righteous. And they believe that it is only through knowledge that you will translate into the realms of ideologies to become saved. You see, you're confused. Yeah. So, there were the people who were propounding that, how can God become a man? It's not possible. And they were teaching this in John's church. So, if you remember, John's gospel was always emphasizing on the physicality of Jesus. So, in John chapter 4, the verse 1, he says, in body that does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ manifested in the flesh is an antichrist because they could not believe so they say anything that is matter does not matter have you seen that can we continue good so like we said no false teaching is, is, is new Every false teaching that is coming today has already happened. People have done them. They have been dealt with long ago. so it's not new. And last week I explained something to you called doctrinal pride, which we dealt with ext- extensively. Now what is doctrinal pride? We said doctrinal pride is the assumption that whatever your beliefs or doctrines are, they are correct, and who anyone who holds another belief is theologically inferior to you. That's doctrinal pride. Whatever I believe or whatever my doctrine is, it is correct. Whoever does not believe what I believe becomes inferior to you. That's doctrinal pride. You believe in tight? This thing they call tight? (sighs) Look at these small boys. Small boys in town. Last time somebody said Joseph Prince is a baby. Why? Because he's taking tight. They said Joseph Prince is a baby. I said, hey, where, where, where did we go? How did we get here? Joseph brings his a baby because he, does not, he still takes time. I said, what is happening to this generation? Please, listen carefully. You can become proud with knowledge. Because the Bible says knowledge puffs up. We are feeding you with all this revelation. If you don't take care and guard it with humility and love, it will cause confusion in your generation. And there are a lot of confusion causes today. All over social media. If you don't believe what I believe, then you are a small boy. Now people see themselves better off than Bishop David Oyedepo and some other big, Great people, God is using. Why? Because they think they have knowledge more than them. Since when did knowledge become fatherhood? If knowledge qualifies us to be fathers, then many of you are grandfathers. (laughs) I'm teaching good here. Imagine. Imagine. Then Sister Debbie has come to understand all the revelations of salvation. She has gone to a church and then a grown man is teaching that you are saved only when you do good. He said, look at this old fool. (laughs) No, you have become doctrinally proud. And it will destroy you because pride always goes before a fall. I have seen all these people don't last. I'm telling you. You go to a place, they're singing, I am a friend of God. Everybody's happy. Dancing to the glory of God. And you're just watching them. What, what, is, fun, what is laughable about this? Are we friends of God or we are sons of God? <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's doctrinal pride. What is the goal of what they are doing? They are praising God. I, I please, are you getting this? Oh, we are not friends of God, we are sons of God. Let them keep doing what they are doing. You have become a proud man and soon your distraction will come. I'm telling you. Break every chain. Break every chain. We don't have chains. We have Christ. (laughs) Be careful. To me, I think chains can also represent mental bondage. So we are breaking chains in the name of Jesus. He's teaching. Oh, man of God, it's good to see you. Wow, Good to see you. We are breaking chains with the revelation of Jesus Christ over mental bondages. That has crippled men. So when we are sinking it, we have a better understanding. So don't become legalistic with your liberty. Your liberty can become legalistic. We are not supposed to do this. We know better. Stop it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Good. So, the Bible speaks about heresy. Look at uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 10. Oh my goodness. Titus 3. 10. He says he says warn a div- no no no. Come to God. Look. A man that commits heresy And becomes a practice in his life. It's called what? Heretic. So Paul says, a man that is an heretic. Heretic. After what? The first and second admonition. You know the word admonition? It means call his attention or give him a mild rebuke. can go and check the Greek word. The Greek word means mild rebuke or to call one's attention. So he says, and a man that is an heretic, after first and second admonition, do what? Reject. There are some of you who have Christian brothers who are not saying that, who are saying all kinds of nonsense today. They said they found it in the Bible. And you said, Bro, be careful about this thing. It's a little, some will be very careful. He said, No, 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 no. That's what the Bible said. Second one, Bro, be careful. I think you have gone too far with this. He says, That's what I believe. He said, What? Reject. The word reject means to decline. He's not an enemy. But be careful with your association with him. That's how serious heresy is. There were people I had to literally block on Facebook. You know why? Because I lost one faithful son through Facebook. He's now a universalist. He says everybody is saved. Why? Because there was one universalist on my page who was a friend on Facebook. And I got to know, and then I blocked him. No, no, it was too late. He said because he saw that he was my friend, he also befriended him. And the guy started giving him teachings. I was hurt. He said there's no heaven, there is no hell. Hell was a refuse dump in Israel. Where they burned refuse. And that name given to it was hell. With different Greek interpretation. You see how beautiful it is. There is no hell. There is no heaven. When we die, we die. That's what they believe now. Am I opening your eyes? Good. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Please go and read the scriptures. Now, the Bible says, be not carried about, so you can be carried about, with diverse and strange doctrines. So, there are diverse and strange doctrines. Very strange doctrines. Tonight, everybody is bringing a candle to church and we are going to walk around cemetery to destroy the spirits of the grave. Strange doctrine. When you are all coming to church, wear black, black. It is the funeral of the wages of your family. Strange doctrine. And many people don't know that occultic practices are being done in church and people don't know. Run away quickly because you are in trouble. He says, don't be kind about by diverse and strange doctrines. You need to be very careful. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, the verse 6. Look, it says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye redraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Hey! It says, redraw yourself. You know, people overemphasize love and they say, oh, he's still a brother. He's still a Christian brother. Eh? He says, redraw. You can still acknowledge that he's your brother, but withdraw. In other words, shrink from having doctrinal discussions with such person. It's dangerous. He says, redraw. Because he walked disorderly. He does not follow the traditions that were laid out in the epistles. He said, redraw. And I practice it every day. Now the block button on Facebook is my best friend. You mess up, you go. I deliberately lost pastor friends to this. I don't call them again. I don't want trouble for myself. I'm telling you. First Timothy chapter 4, the verse 1. Very important. He says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. The word the faith there is not speaking of the faith that made you saved. The faith there is speaking of the teaching of the gospel. So some will depart from the true teaching of the gospel, giving heed, that means giving attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there are demonic doctrines. And anytime your spirit begins to feel uncomfortable about a teaching or a practice, you need to redraw. You go to a church and the pastor is holding a catalyst. Get out and run. If you went with a friend, leave him there and go home. If it's an all night, pick an Uber or Okada. Uh, I'm, I'm serious. Go home and sleep in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Today there there, there are places people call church which is actually a decorated shrine. Shrine with a podium. I'm telling you. And you need to be careful. Someone says, oh, once he can solve my problem. Huh? There are churches today the pastors or the prophets have gone for ritual powers and guess what? They hold members through problems. They take one disease from you and they place it on another and they take that person's disease they place it on you so that you are always coming for healing. So when your headache is healed tomorrow you have a leg problem. When your leg problem is healed tomorrow you have a stomach problem so you are always staying, You are abiding. I'm telling you. I'm teaching good health. Good. Now, um, come to 1 Timothy chapter 6, the verse 20. Look, he says, Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of signs falsely so-called. Can you imagine? Paul warning Timothy, this is a pastor, how much more remember? Praise God. See, you will find people all over preaching Grace, but not all grace is grace. So be careful. Be what? Careful. First Timothy chapter one, verse eighteen. Paul did something I never expected him to do. He, in fact, named people who are falling into false doctrine and heresy. And I'm sure I'll get that grace after some few years to come. <laughs> this charge I commit unto you, dear son Timothy. According to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by, mightest by them wage a good warfare. Next verse. He says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put putting away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. So you can make shipwreck of your Christian life. Next verse. He said, of whom Hermanios and Alexander, the names are in the Bible to today, <laughs> whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Apostle Paul, why? That is not literal. To deliver a man to Satan is not literal. It means to withdraw from him. When the whole church withdraws from a man who has fallen into sin several times and is being corrected and he does not listen, his life becomes as miserable as one who has been handed over to Satan. So it is an expression. It's figurative. You become so lonely that it's as though Satan is your spiritual father. But today it's very difficult to do that. You know why? Because when somebody is being disciplined, the person will go to another church, and another pastor will receive. Oh, amapamu, come. Somebody is sleeping with other church members, and he was disciplined. The past the person leaves to another church. So sometimes when somebody joins, I ask him. Also, oh, where are you from? How is ministry? What happened? Why? I'm getting information. I'm teaching good here. Second Timothy, chapter two the verse 15. Look. there was somebody that, that was coming I, 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 There was one person that I didn't allow to come here, because I felt like asking. He said, "That pastor, that pastor is a bad, wicked man." I said, "What did he do? If I tell you what he said about the pastor, he'll be shocked. When he was speaking, the Holy Ghost said he's a liar. He's indisciplined. Full of immorality. And he was putting the blame on the pastor. The pastor doesn't like him. Anyway, let's move on. He says, Stand thee to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Next verse. He says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Next verse. He said, and their the word will eat as do what a canker. The word canker is cancer. That means false doctrine is like cancer; it can spread in your whole life and destroy you. He says, of whom is Hermanius and Philitos? He mentioned another name, but you could see Hermannius caused causing more damage, so he had to repeat his name again. <laughs> Hermanius. When I get to heaven eh, after looking for Apostle Paul, I said, Where is Hermanius? <laughs> Why's that guy? Why did Paul mention his name twice? First and second Timothy. <laughs> Dangerous guy. Look at what they were teaching. Next verse, he said, Who concerning the truth have heard. so people can err from the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and overthrow the faith of some. In other words, false teaching can overthrow the faith of people. There are people who heard the false teaching. All of a sudden, when they come to church, they don't clap again. All of a sudden, they cross their leg. These were very humble people, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, after a certain teaching they heard. All of a sudden, they started misbehaving. And I'm going to come to the place where there's a teaching where people say Communion is obsolete. When Apostle Paul laid the foundation in First Corinthians 11, they said, First Corinthians was written to children because it says, when I came to you, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto canna. So the whole of 1 Corinthians was written to babies. So communion teaching is for babies. And I said, so how do you get, if any man be in Christ, where did you get it from? Corinthians. Baby scripture. Resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. Every issue on resurrection was established in 1 Corinthians 15. It is for who? Babies. Don't teach that one too. Meanwhile, Apostle Paul said, as I received of the Lord, I delivered. That was the same word he used for the gospel in First Corinthians fifteen one. He says, as I received, I delivered. The same word he used for the communion, as I received, I delivered. That means it was an instruction of the New Testament given to him. I tell people there are some revelations. I don't want to go higher. I want to remain where I am. I want to be a small boy in that area. There are some teachings. I don't want to be updated. I need the old one like that. Please, is someone getting this? He said, they are saying that resurrection is already passed. And overthrow the faith of some. They overthrow. So there are some teachings you will hear today. It will overthrow your faith. Now your pastor will be teaching you. You are watching him like a clown. You hurry up and leave the puppet. We want better teachers. One of my pastor friends came to tell me that one of his uh, sons, who is a pastor, was listening to one man of God on Facebook. All of a sudden, the, the, the pastor changed. One day, the pastor came to tell him that Sir, I think you need more of the word. I want to get you a teaching of the one man of God. He will change your whole style of preaching. The man did not listen to him. Guess what? He left the church. Guess what? He's not going to church again. So, what is the essence of receiving a revelation that will not make you go to church again? And someone, there was a guy I met, he said, he said he's a grace guy. I said he, said, he doesn't have any church, he belongs. Why? Because most of them are law churches. Whether there's a name like law church, when you appear before Jesus, you will answer yourself. It's a law church. So he said, you know what he said? He said his body is the temple, so he's also a church. I said, then pay offering to yourself and and chop the money. (laughs) Arrange chairs in your house and sing worship songs. You know, let me not go ahead of myself. First Timothy 5, 17. Look at Timothy. See, every minister or anyone who is serious about ministry must read 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy and Titus. They are pastoral epistles. You cannot read these three pastoral epistles and be an immoral pastor. That means you chose to do it. When I hear a pastor has slept with choristers, I say, how is this possible? A pastor has slept with church members. I say, how do you feel you sleep with a church member and you are preaching? I know it's strange. How do you feel? And you are watching her face. The Bible said, stop sinning and stop what you are doing because it is not of God. Hey! How do you feel? And someone's always covered. She says she won't tell anybody. Hey, woman. That same day, the best friend here. There is, see, there is no secret under the sun. So if you're a pastor watching me, none of the pastors here will do that. So I'm talking to those watching online. (laughs) See, this world is a small world. Whatever you do, someone will hear it. Praise God. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 4, the verse 3. You see all the warnings are there. For the time will come. In fact, that time has come. So, I'm going to read it again. For the time has come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own last, the word last is desire, they shall heap unto themselves, teachers, having eighty ears. I'll explain. He says, for the time has come, when they will no longer endure sound doctrine. Didn't say, did say, enjoy sound doctrine. So sound doctrine is not to be enjoyed. It's to be endured. It means to bear with it because sometimes it is painful. Haven't I thought anything is just hitting you just like that? You feel uncomfortable in your seat. You are like, oh pastor, hurry up and pass over. I'll stay over. <laughs> it must be endured. So sound doctrine is not always sweet. I'm telling you this. See, I put a post on Facebook the other time. Sound doctrine is like medicine. When we were children and we were sick, there were some times when we were sick, mommy gave us medicine and the medicine was sweet. There were times he gave us medicine. The medicine was bitter. Those days I put toothpaste around it because I didn't like the taste. So I put toothpaste around it then I swallow it. (laughs) I didn't like anything bitter. But if you say you don't drink it because mommy and you, mommy and you, do you know what mommy will do to you? You go drink them. And both sweet and bitter medicines made us what? Well. That's sound doctrine. Sometimes it is sweet. Sometimes it is bitter. But guess what? It makes you well. It makes you healthy. So there are sometimes when I'm doing a teaching, it will address an issue. You might think that somebody has come to tell me it's the Holy Ghost who told me. You see, and some are not spiritual. Today I prayed five hours before coming to teach. Last week I prayed six hours before I come to preach. I don't pray. I don't pray less than six hours before I come and preach. So you are telling me that I will pray for six hours and the Holy Ghost will tell me something that is about somebody who is not in the service. And There are some people who think when you are preaching, you shouldn't say anything about them. Who should we preach about? Who preach about you? Who preach about you? Sometimes you feel uncomfortable. It's like want door. I said you want you want to we stay, abide, endure. Pastor, for some time, there the glory. You don't shout glory again. Every time church is now, everybody is now watching you like this. You can watch me like this. I'll still preach. <laughs> because I've understood. I know the medicine. I have the medicine for you now. So when I'm giving it to you, I know it's not pleasant. Sometimes I'll be preparing the message and say, God, should I say? God says, say. I say, God, should I say? Because some people might not come to church again. Though. If you fear people, you'll never be a minister of God. Praise God. Praise Him. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Good. So, you see, we have one big problem today. I wish I had time. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Reverse the time for me. Now, the problem we have in the church today is not only heresy, it's extremities. You need to write this down. This is very important. The problem we have in the church today is not only heresy, but extremes or extremities. That's the problem we have in the church today. And there's a difference. Like I told you, heresy deals with... Uh, it's, it's actually a, uh, someone having his own opinion of the Bible that goes contrary to that which has been established already. See, some doctrines have already been established. They are untouchables. Don't touch them. No matter who said it, don't touch it. Leave them the way it is. But there are also extremes. When one person carries a particular revelation to the extreme, or a person carries one particular revelation overboard, as if that is the only revelation in the Bible. I put a post, the other time, about how believers should conduct themselves in godliness and holiness. And somebody came to write on my wall, sir, preach Christ. I said, I was preaching about ants, right? I didn't reply that anyway because I don't do that on Facebook. They said, sir, preach Christ. I said, what is people's understanding of preaching Christ? So everything we are saying, we should say Christ before it becomes Christ's message. Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 5 20, he says, them that sin rebuke openly before men that they may fear. What message is that? The message of Christ. You know, there are people who take Apostle Paul's deep teachings on who we are in Christ. When it comes to conduct, they say, no, no, no. Wrong translation. That's the problem we have today. We have a body of grace ministers and grace students who just want to be made excited at church. So we want lollipop messages. Wow, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm forgiving. That's lollipop Christianity, romantic Christianity. That's what we want. What's the essence of having all this revelation? And the life you are living is not a blessing to others. No, what's the essence of knowing all these revelations? And you are living anyhow. You come every Sunday, we teach you who you are in Christ. We tell you about envy. We tell you about jealousy. We tell you about conducting your life well. You just live and just go and do what you are still doing. How? How is that possible? Praise God. How is that possible? See, you need to understand that what are the uh, scientific uh, reactions for um, salt? <laughs> sodium what? Chloride. That means there's a combination of sodium and what? Chlorine. This is what a man of God said. Do you know that sodium on its own is poison? And chlorine on its own is also poison. You have to put the two together to have salt. And that salt preserves When you take grace, only what Christ did for you, and you say, that is the only revelation we have, it can become poison. When you only take works as the only means to go to heaven, that one is also poison. Because we don't go to heaven by our works. Are you seeing that? So you take what Christ did, and what you're supposed to do, you put it together, you have a life. Am I teaching good? So there are many heretic strange doctrines that are going on. I today, I'll tell you plenty. Of. I heard a teaching one said God does not live in heaven. God does not live in heaven. Why does he live? He dwells in inapproachable light. That's where he dwells. I said, oh, I was expecting to hear something better. Because if you say God does not in, live in heaven, you are trying to say that God is bigger than heaven. We all understand. But I thought you had come to tell us that God lives in himself. Then you say God dwells in inapproachable light. Question, who created the light? The same man that created the light created heaven. So it's like from frying pan to fire. He does not live in heaven. He lives in inapproachable light. The light too was created. Uh, Are you getting this thing? So, some people just want to sound new. Jesus said, our father who art in heaven. The Bible says, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where does God dwell? In heaven. Why did he dwell there? Because he decided that though he's the creator of the universe, he decided to humble himself to live in heaven. So for you to see God in heaven, he's telling you God has humbled himself. Because God himself, see, see, before there was anything called matter, God filled all in all. There was no space. God filled all in all. So for God to make creation, he had to create space for space to have space in space so he can live in space. Now are you you getting this thing? So, God actually lives in himself. It's not approachable like it was even created. So, when you hear some teaching, God does not live in heaven. You say, wow! God does. Then you also start, God does not live in heaven. He does not live in heaven. You didn't take your time. See, anything I hear that is strange, I take my time. I take my time. I don't rush. I take my time. Go and study it. God lives in heaven. Did you hear that? God lives where? In heaven. And he humbled himself to do so. Am I teaching good here? And in heaven he dwells in an inapproachable light. So the angels that cried holy, 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 where did they do it? In space? No, I, 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 I need to get this thing right. Because you'll be hearing them. And you're my people. And I love you. Am I teaching good? Second thing, they said Adam did not eat, eat anything in the garden. Adam did not eat what? Anything in the garden. They said the sin he committed was the sin of disobedience through unbelief. And that was all. He didn't eat anything. Why? What was the scripture? Matthew chapter 15 verse 11. Look. He says not that which go into the mouth of a man defileth a man, but that which cometh out of his mouth, this defileth a man. That was the foundation of that revelation. So he it says it's not what enters a man that defiles him. What comes out of the man defiles him. So Adam did he eat anything. Can we read from the verse 1? Let's read. Then came the, to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying what? Why do thy disciples transgress? Look at the context. The tradition of the elders. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. So what was the context? The disciples of Jesus were eating bread without washing their hands. And according to their tradition, it was defilement. If you eat without washing your hands, whatever enters you defiles you. That's what they believe as tradition. Are you following this? Next verse. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Jesus, Jesus was also replying to them. Next verse. Honor thy father, uh, for the, commanded, for the com- uh, God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, uh, he, he that cursed father or mother, let him die. Come to the verse 10. He says, And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Next verse. Not what goeth into a man defiling him. Now, Jesus was being sarcastic towards the Pharisees who came to query his disciples to him, saying that your disciples have not washed their hands and they are eating with, according to our tradition, defiles them. And Jesus says, hey, not what enters a man without washing his hands defiles him by your tradition. But what goes out of him? Look at the next verse. What goes? He says... uh, uh, so, if you read further in that same book, Jesus says, Murder, hatred, adultery, they are the things that come out of you. That's the context. Adam had something. The sin Adam committed was the sin of disobedience through unbelief, but that sin was coordinated in the eating. So, the proof and the evidence of his disobedience was seen in eating. Simple. We don't have to complicate the gospel. So when you hear someone says, Adam did not eat anything, I beg you, run. Run. (laughs) It's not new. See, some of you, like I said, you are fascinated with hearing new things. Because every time, Papa is saying Christ died. So we want to hear something new. Like Jesus Christ is the antagonistic revelator. You hear that, so wow, this be proper revelation. (laughs) You like that? I'm teaching Udo. Hmm. There was one teaching also that was going on that said that God cannot kill. Please listen carefully. God cannot what? Kill. In fact, they said God has never killed anybody before. If most of you here were observant, a time came on my social media wall, I was writing certain wild articles. At that time, I was not your pastor. I was an apologist for the body of Christ. Or better still, a a, a polemist. Because there was some teaching that was going on and everybody was hugging that revelation, especially the young people. They said God has never killed before because God is a good God. He has been good from the beginning. God is a gracious God, loving Father. So he never killed anybody. They said, God does not have wrath. He does not have vengeance. I heard that teaching about two years ago. I took my time. It took me months to go and study it. And I came out. I said, if this teaching is not combated, we will lose a generation. We will lose a generation. And the foundation, so you ask them, who caused the flood of Noah? You know what they said? They said it was a natural disaster that was already bent to happen. And God was only warning them. The, the fire of Sodom and Gomorrah was a natural disaster. I says, which natural disaster will happen in such a dosage? How? And I quoted a scripture and say, explain it. Second Peter chapter 2, the verse 4. Look, look. He says, For if God spared not, who? If God did what, spare not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. This is New Testament. Next verse. And spared not the what? Who? Who? Who did that? But saved who? Noah, the eighth person, the preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Who brought the flood? Next verse. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example. Making them what? An example unto those that after should live ungodly. God has his plan and purpose. See, see. When a man kills, we can charge him with murder. When God kills, it's not murder. If I take something that belongs to me, do you call me a thief? You know, people think God is at their back and call, And God is in their pocket. They define Him how they wish God to be. And you need to be very careful because all kinds of things are going on. I was explaining the other time that if I come out from my bedroom at dawn and I see a man on top of my daughter trying to rape her and slash her throat and in love for my daughter I take a knife and slash the throat of this man. Will you call me a murderer? Why? Because I did what I did to protect my seed. Will you call me a murderer? Now, if an ISIS agent goes to a and begins to shoot people all over, and one civilian who had a pistol on him shot the head of this ISIS man, will you call the man who shot the ISIS man a murderer? You call him what? A hero. Why? Because he stopped the flow of murder. If a judge sentences a murderer to death, do you call the judge a murderer? You call him what? Just. Yet, people said, God that killed, that means that God is a murderer. I said, how is this possible? Go and read what happened. Why God had to destroy these people in the time of Noah? If you read Genesis 6, the Bible says that angels, which were falling angels, they came and started sleeping with the daughters of men. Remember the Bible says some on our earth have entertained angels. That means angels can transform into human beings. So they transformed and slept with the daughters of men. Why? Because the Bible gave a prophecy that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. He knew that prophecy was the Messiah. So the devil wanted to corrupt the whole human race so that there would be no seed to give us salvation. So they slept with the women and they started producing nephilims, which, we call, uh, which were giants. It was believed that these giants, some had 10 fingers on one. Some had 8 fingers. Some had 10, 15 toes. Some of them were actually uh, 15 feet high. Strong people. It was believed that one of them could eat a whole farmland and still not be satisfied. And these were the people who introduced dark magic. If you hear of magic, they introduced it. Because they came from a corrupted, uh, fallen angels. So they came with a corrupted species. So they knew how to do evil. They were masters of evil. So they started teaching human beings how to practice evil. They taught people how to fight war. How to do uh, magic and occultism. It started from Genesis 6. They were the people who started doing that. Why? Because they were corrupting a generation. And God says, Hey, there are only eight people left, and some few human beings who were not corrupted. So let me save these people so that I can preserve who? The Messiah. So God says, I'll wipe away this generation and rebegin the process again. So God built an ark through Noah and gave people the opportunity to do what? Enter the ark. That is grace. But his plan to destroy was always there because he wanted to preserve the coming of Christ. And the people the ark was made for did not enter. And Noah and his family entered. And God destroyed the whole earth. Is God a wicked God? No, answer me. Is God a wicked God? For the last time, is God wicked See, Stay with what you know. I know what I'm saying. One of my pastor friends lost 15 members because of of a preacher they started listening on Facebook. Five of them were pastors. He trained them for close to eight years. And today as I speak to you, they are not going to church again. They are all at home. I said, what is the essence of all these things? Revelations that bring... Uh, uh, intolerance, pride, insubordination. What revelation is this? Am I teaching good here? So I need to get your attention here. They said God does not have wrath. The wrath of God is the absence of God. I said number one, can God ever be absent? Can God be absent? He can't be absent. Because God is omnipresent. He said, when God spoke to uh, the people in Noah's day and they did not listen, God left. And the resultant effect of him leaving was what brought the flood. I said, where from this? No scripture to prove it. And yet men are confident teaching such erroneous teachings. And people are embracing it. People started fighting me. I said, how? Where did we get to? How did we get here? How did we get here? You know, some of you, this what I'm teaching will not thrill you too much because you are not doctrine people. And like I oh, go for me, once I get to church on Sunday, I pay offering and I go home. I don't care about it. God cannot kill me. I mean, I'm investing me who be here. Yeah, no poor sorry. But there are many who need this. I'm teaching good here. Yeah. They said all the killings that were done in the old testament was done by angels. God did not know anything about it. So angels were killing the people. And angels now have authority to kill people without God's permission. And they went and killed and they'll come to heaven. And God is just sitting there. An old man. 99 year old. Mufi. No, that's how the teaching connotes. God is aloof. He doesn't you know what is going on. Angels who went and killed, they'll come back. How? Where did we get this revelation? When the Bible tells us that angels obey the voice of this word, the word angel itself defines it. An angel is a messenger. How can a messenger go without a message? They just want to edit the Bible to say, so anything that looks bad in their weak thinking, they say it cannot be God. God is an ever good God. So now, question. If you're saying that God is all good without understanding uh, some of these technicalities in salvation, then how do people go to hell? You know what they say? They said people people choose to enter hell. And I said, so when they die, they themselves jump into hell. (laughs) So anything about God destroying, they they edit it They say it's not God. The people chose to enter it inside. I said, how? Very soon, the same people will tell us that there is no hell. It's coming. I asked that something was filled with the spirit. How many people did he kill? How many people? No, how many people did Samson kill? You see, you don't read the Old Testament well. So you will believe it. He killed thousand people with a jawbone of an ass. When the spirit of might entered him. Now, question. Was it the spirit of God that entered him or it was an angel that entered him? Was it the spirit of God or it was a demon? The spirit of God entered him and enabled him to kill thousand people. You know, when I, I, I asked somebody who believed that, that question, you know what he said? He said it was an evil spirit. And I said, no. Then I know that you people yourselves are demons. <laughs> because God destroyed people. Deliberately in his timing and purpose. They don't want to see it. Second Thessalonians 1.6. Watch. Today I will delay you a little. Because I want to finish with that one today. He says, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them. No, come to the verse 4. He says, so that we churches glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Uh He says, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment. So, God's judgments are righteous. Hmm that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for ye also suffer. Next verse. He says, seeing it is a righteous thing with God, to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Next verse. Watch. He says, and to those who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord who, who, oh, please shout it, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Next verse. He says, in flaming fire, taking they said God does not have vengeance. Taking on who? Them which know not God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at, look at the next verse. Look. He says, who shall be they can't believe it is God. Who, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of Of Satan. Of who? The Lord Lord, and from the glory of? Next verse. When he shall come to be glorified in his sins. Who did that activity? Jesus Christ. Listen, the parting has been said. Man is a sinner because of the work of Adam. God loves us, but because of sin, it has separated us. So God sent his son which was God himself manifested in the flesh so that his son would take away that barrier of sin so that man can now come to God Now in that work Christ did when a man receives it because that work is given as a gift when a man received it receives it that man is saved when a man does not receive it that man is condemned Listen I have a flight. I have booked the flight. I said that. The airline says the flight is taking off at 6 a.m. And the flight was opened. Now, everybody was entering. You came at 6.10. The flight is gone. Is it the pilot's fault? Are you seeing this thing? So, people don't understand that there is something like hell. There is something like God's wrath. People don't know. God has wrath, but his wrath is only revealed on ungodliness and unbelief. Because when a man rejects the gospel, he has become a rebel. And God will always destroy rebels. Please, take this. That's all. Am I helping somebody at all? See, the reason why I'm confident about some of these things is because, see... I've been teaching on the grace of God for about nine years now. Every error, I've committed it. So there's nothing new that you will say that will surprise me. So I think you have the best pastor in the world. I'm telling you. All the extremes, I've walked on that path before. The errors I made, only God Do you know I almost became a universalist? Believing that everybody is saved. I went to listen to a teaching of one man from South Africa. And I enjoyed part one. I wanted to listen to part two. Part two entered into part four. Part four entered into a new series he started. Before I realized, I believed it. To an extent that there was one crusade, I went to teach universalism that everybody was saved. So if you think this thing is a joke, you need to hear. You can never transform an heretic. It takes the spirit of God. Nobody could change me. People confronted me, asked me questions. I had answers for everybody. Until one day in prayer, the Holy Ghost told me, son, if you don't take care, you are done for good. Your ministry will be over. It was the Holy Spirit that saved me. I'm telling you. So you need to be careful. Especially with materials. And I'm sorry to say this. I'm not supposed to say, but I'm going to say it. We have lost one member here because that person does not believe in Jesus Christ again. He does not believe in Jesus Christ again. That's how come, these teachings are very essential. He doesn't believe in Jesus again. I called him, gave him all the convincing scriptures. He said, no. The Bible was a book that was placed in Vatican City to enslave the black man. How did he get there? He saw a material on Google. Google. That was the end. This is somebody I have known for over 10 years. He's the longest person I've ever known who is a member in the GCC? Gone. There was nothing that I couldn't do. And one time I want, I was disturbed. The Holy Ghost says, leave him. So don't think that, oh, because you are getting rich teachings, you are okay. No, you're not okay. You can go and hear just one teaching on Facebook and that's the end. One teaching on YouTube, that's the end. One teaching on uh, the internet, that's the end. If you are confused about something, see the right sources. Am I helping somebody today? When I started a campaign against some of these teachings that were going on, the master leader himself, this is the first confession I'm making, I'm, I'm, I'm making that one, then we close. The master of the revelation, he's in Nigeria. He texted me because the heat was hot. The the articles were traveling. It went to Tanzania. It went to South Africa. It went to Nigeria. It went to almost every country. People were spreading it just like that. He texted me at dawn. Around 2 something a.m. I still have the message. I had to store it for reference in the future. He sent me, how are you? I said, I'm fine. He said, the teachings you are making right now, is it because of this man? I said, yes. He said, okay. Um, we did a review on your first article. I want to send a review to you. So I can go through I said, no problem. Send it. So he sent the review. One of the wackest reviews I've ever seen in my life. I said, sir, I don't understand this. Then he said, okay. I'll send you some of my teaching so that you listen to it. I said, I've given you my teaching. Is there a need to send me your teaching? So that You come and tell me what you have learned. I just laughed in my eye. He asked for my number. I gave him my number. He called me from Nigeria. The first thing he did was to downplay a man I respect so much called Joseph Prince. And told me Joseph Prince is weak on the subject of eternal salvation now. And Joseph Prince, he he is now soft on the message of grace. First thing you do, you dishonor a man... Who through whom we are all now bold to preach grace? That's first question mark. Trying to establish his teaching in my life. I said, okay, I'll listen. I didn't mind him. I went home with my articles. The next day he told me to stop the articles because I'm destroying the body of Christ. I I, sent him. I said, sir, I think you and your team members are the ones destroying the body of Christ today. He left me. Then a the man went on his wall, started defaming me on his wall. One, two, three, four, five, it was going on. I said, okay. So I crafted a very powerful message, which the normal Isaac Lapapo can't do. So that you should know what the, that message contains. I don't know why I wrote that, but I wrote it very harsh. Very harsh. Sent it to him. Hmm. They say God does not have wrath, but his wrath arose. How do you destroy the answers I've given to you? He called me 1 a.m. Pastor Isaac! Pastor Isaac! How can you disrespect me like this? I said, sir. I said, sir. I questioned him some few questions. He said it was not my article. He was writing to a, a man of God in Leki. Is there a place Man of God, is there a place like Leki? Ah, okay. He said man of God somewhere. I said, Oh, I'm 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 sorry, sir. He cut the line. And I laughed. You know why? Because the one who said God does not have wrath, he was angry justifiably. He was justifiably angry for something I did not do well. Someone who believes God does not have wrath. How do you have wrath? And um, see, the people who are following all of them, they don't know that this man has contacted me, contact me, telling me to stop the articles. Because it is crashing all the things that they are writing there. See, I tell people that listen to me. If you. See, I've closed.